0: Today I have the privilege of preaching from Psalm 23. It's probably one of the most beloved passages in all of the Word of God. No doubt you've been to a funeral or a graveside and you found peace and comfort when you heard the psalm read or recited. You and I perhaps have gone through a difficult place. And God ministered to us. The faithful shepherd that He is came alongside us and helped us find peace and comfort. Psalm 23 is really a part of a trilogy of psalms in your Bible. Psalm 22, Psalm 23, and Psalm 24 speak of the Lord Jesus Christ, his person and work. In Psalm 22, Jesus is portrayed as the good Shepherd. John 10:11 tells us, "I'm the Good Shepherd. The Lord Jesus is speaking. He says, "I'm the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep." So in Psalm 22, the good Shepherd is crucified, for you and I is crucified. For the sheep. In Psalm 23, Jesus is portrayed as the great shepherd. At the end of chapter 13 of the book of Hebrews, He's called that great shepherd of the sheep. The Bible says, now may the peace of God who brought up Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will. And so it's the idea that the great sheep is the shepherd of the sheep, of. The great shepherd is the shepherd of the sheep, and he cares for the sheep. In Psalm 24, he is the chief shepherd. And in 1 Peter 5, 4, it says, now when the sheep, uh, the, the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crowd of glory. And so in Psalm 22, he's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. In Psalm 23, he's the great shepherd who cares for the sheep. And in Psalm 24, He's the chief shepherd who is coming for the sheep. And aren't you glad these Psalms highlight the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ? He came to lay His life down. He cares for us during these days. And one day, He's coming again. And when He comes again, the Bible says, you and I will receive an unfading crown of glory. And so thank God for the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we approach this psalm, let's look at several questions. The first question is this, who wrote Psalm 23? The answer is David, the shepherd king, wrote Psalm 23. And I believe David was uniquely qualified to write this particular psalm because David was a shepherd. What do you mean? He knew sheep, and He knew shepherds. And so God used Him not only to write this psalm, but all of the trilogy, Psalm 22, Psalm 23, and Psalm 24. He spoke prophetically in Psalm 22. He spoke about the faithfulness of God to care for His people in Psalm 23. And in Psalm 24, He talked about that great shepherd that chief shepherd that is coming again for the sheep david wrote psalm 23 the second question i want to ask is when was this psalm written we actually don't know when the psalm was written some bible scholars say that david wrote this psalm as a young shepherd boy they picture him on the backside of the desert tending sheep perhaps he's gazing into that judean sky and sees the stars and he ponders the truth that his lord god is like a faithful shepherd i don't believe that's true i believe that the psalm was actually written when david was much older as he looked back over the landscape of his life, he saw at every turn the faithfulness of God to care for him. And even though he was in a dark place, I believe he wrote the psalm when he was fleeing from his son Absalom when the kingdom was divided. And David writes this psalm from a very difficult place. And he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Aren't you glad that God not only walks before us, but God walks besides us. He's that faithful shepherd, that great shepherd who cares for the sheep. What's the theme of Psalm 23? I believe the theme of Psalm 23 is the faithfulness of God to care for His own to care for His people. That faithful shepherd is a God who cares, who provides, and who protects. If you have your copy of the Word of God, and I hope you do, turn, if you would, to Psalm 23. And while you're turning there, I'll remind you what the old Scottish pastor said, from the glen to the gorge to the glory. Our faithful shepherd cares for us. When you get to Psalm 23, say word. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Look at verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Look at verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. During our time together, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see the faithfulness of our God to care for His own so that you can rest in Him, the faithful shepherd. Let me say it again. I want you to see the faithfulness of our God to care for His own so that you and I can rest in Him, the faithful shepherd. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we ask that You open our eyes to behold wondrous truth from Your Word. God, I pray that as I open my mouth to speak Your Word, that You'd give Holy Spirit power and unction to not only proclaim the Word of God, but to apply the Word of God. And we ask it in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Look at the Scripture. He begins by saying, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Consider what he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's talking about the covenant-making God of Israel. He's talking about the great I am of the Bible. He's talking about that God who revealed himself to Moses when he said, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love to thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. He's talking about that God. It's interesting to note that in Psalm 23, there are several of what theologians call allusions or references to the compound names of God. Some of you call them the redemptive names of God. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Look at verse 1. He says, I shall not want. This is an allusion to Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. Notice he says, besides the still waters. That's an allusion to Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Notice he also says, beside the still waters. That's an allusion to Jehovah. We said, um, Shalom, the God of peace. But then he also says that he restores my soul. That's an allusion to Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. Have you heard of these names before? And lastly, he says he leads me in paths of righteousness. That's an allusion to Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. That's the God that he's talking about, that's the Lord, capital L, capital R, capital D, that tetragram. He's talking about that great God. And he says, the Lord, the Lord God is my shepherd. But then he also says, the Lord is my shepherd. And I want you to notice during this discourse that the great shepherd the faithful shepherd provides for his sheep the faithful shepherd provides for his sheep and when david said the lord is my shepherd he's talking about a deep intimate relationship with god he's not talking about some casual acquaintance he's talking about the relationship that he has that God has proven himself to be faithful throughout the years, and he says, The Lord is my shepherd. Can you call him your shepherd today? Do you know him? David had no problem saying, The Lord is my shepherd. And then he makes the statement, I shall not want. Another way to say that is, the Lord is my shepherd, I have no lack. He provides everything that I need. I don't know much about sheep, but I've been told that sheep are very dumb and they're defenseless. Is it any wonder that the Bible compares the people of God with sheep? Because many times we're dumb, aren't we? We're not very smart at times. It seems like we have to learn the same lesson over and over and over again. And David declares, listen, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David provides all that we need because we're dumb and we're defenseless. We need the constant care of the shepherd, don't we? David says, "I shall not want." You see, he knows that God is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, and every need we have, God has promised to meet those needs. Look at Psalm thirty-seven twenty-five. I'll let you turn there. Psalm thirty-seven twenty-five. When you get there, say word. Psalm 37, 25 says it this way, I have been young, and I feel like I'm a part of this verse, right? I have been young, but now I'm old. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaking, nor his children, the old King James says, nor his seed Begging for bread. What's God promised to do? He provi- promises to provide every need we have according to His riches and glory. Look at Philippians 4.19. Paul says, and my God shall supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And I'm so glad he said, according to His riches in glory. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 8. When you get there, say word. Just flip over back toward the front of your New Testament. The Bible says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Here's what David is saying. Listen, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God will provide every need we have. The Bible says, according to His riches and glory. And I'm so glad He said, according to His riches and glory. And not just from His riches and glory. What's He provided? Well, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside, and that word leads means He gently leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Listen, when we're anxious, when we're depressed, we can go to our great shepherd. We can go to our faithful shepherd. And listen, He restores our soul. Sometimes He uses people. Sometimes He uses circumstances. Sometimes He speaks to us when we're in His Word and in prayer. And God gently leads us and comforts us. The Bible says He leads us in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. God provides for our needs. When Chris and I were first married... We were married in college and we lived in student housing. That great theologian Alan Jackson said it this way, we were living on love, right? We didn't have much money. Both college students, both going to school full time, both trying to make ends meet. I call this the hamburger faith story. And so we came to the end of the month, and guess what? There was more month than money. In fact, we had seven or eight days left in the month before we'd get paid. And so I went all over the apartment. We were living in married student housing I went on Nicholson, and I went all over the apartment and, and tried to find pennies and loose change, and I could muster up about seven or eight bucks. And so Chris and I went to the food line on Nicholson. I don't, I don't think it's in existence anymore. And we got a loaf of bread. We had peanut butter and jelly. And we got some hamburger. It was some old hamburger. In fact, it was past the date, and so it was at a reduced price. And I was pretty proud of myself. We were going to be able to survive for the next seven or eight days living on love, Right? until we got back to the apartment. We climbed up the stairs. We were on the second story. And we saw in front of our door a marine ice chest, a beautiful white marine ice chest. And there was a note on the outside of it, happy belated wedding gift. It seems that our youth leaders from our home church had put together this food for us that was in the ice chest. And so I opened the ice chest and I looked. There was ham and steaks and pork and chicken and seafood, right? Shrimp and crawfish and catfish fillets. I mean, we had enough food for several months. And I looked at Chris, and I said, you know what? The Lord is teaching me something. Why are we living as paupers when we're children of the King? And He wants to provide every need that we have according to His riches and glory. And so, the faithful shepherd not only provides for His sheep, but the faithful shepherd protects his sheep. Look at verse 4. The Bible says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In verse 4, there's a transition. David seems to go from talking to about God, to talking to God. He changes the pronoun. Before, he used he. But now he's using you. And here's the difference. Instead of David seeing the faithful shepherd going before him, he now sees the faithful shepherd walking beside him. Notice the transition. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. But then in verse 4, He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because You are with me. So the faithful shepherd moves from walking before David when he's going through a time of adversity to walking besides David. Listen, that's the difference in the world. David says, I will fear no evil. Why? Because the faithful shepherd walks beside me. And listen, as long as he walks beside me, I can face whatever adversity comes my way. Do you know that? God is faithful. That's the same God of whom Isaiah said, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is faithful, folks, not only to provide, but also to protect. The faithful shepherd protects His sheep. And aren't you glad? If you know Him, He is protecting you. And even though you go through difficult seasons, and even though you're in the place of adversity, even now, we had many prayer requests from our people over the last several weeks going through the fire. But guess what? Our faithful shepherd walks beside us. In the summer of 1995, I experienced some terrible health issues. In fact, in the course of two weeks' time, I not only lost all my direct vision... But I had to have heart surgery. And the same genetic condition that affected the retinas of my eyes affected my heart. I'll never forget one day I was playing ping pong with a student. His name was Chip Holmes. Some of you might know Chip. And I went to hit the ball and all of a sudden I couldn't see the ball. I noticed that at night when I drove that I was having problems seeing at night. And so I went to Bud Cluchet. You know Bud and Vicky. I went to see Dr. Cluchet. And after he did a series of tests, he said, Brother Tim, I, I'm sorry to tell you that there's really something going on in your eyes. And so he referred me to Dr. Diamond who at the time was not only the head of the LSU Medical Center, but also was interim head of Tulane Medical Center. So I had the very best care. And after a series of tests, and after he looked at everything, he said, listen, he said, if things don't change, you'll lose all your direct vision in a matter of weeks. What complicated things is when I had the episode with my heart, it was a mild heart attack. They had to give me heparin and blood thinners. And so it, it really made this go faster. And so in two weeks' time, I found myself moving from 2020 vision to 22,000, if you can imagine that. I have no direct vision, uh, I can see some things, but they're blurry. My peripheral is really good. And so you can imagine going through that and on top of that, having a mild heart attack. And after I was recovering from heart surgery, I had a triple bypass. After I was recovering from heart surgery, one night Chris had set up a bed for me where I could rest. Because back in the early 90s, we still had a waterbed. And it was difficult to roll in and out of that thing. It's okay to laugh. And so she set up this single bed for me. It was kind of a hospital bed. And I was in my room. It was late one night. And I'll never forget this. The Christian station in New Orleans was fixing a sign off. And as their habit was, they played Christian videos. And I'll never forget, I I was watching a Christian video by Audio A where it talked about the ocean floor and how God buried our sin deep in the ocean floor. It's the idea that He removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. And I was encouraged by that video, and I'll never forget, I went over to the light switch and turned the lights off. And when I got back in bed, it seems like Satan or one of his demons crawled in bed with me. Every filthy lie that could be told, he told. You're not going to be able to support your family. Your ministry is over. Your children are not going to respect you because you can't provide for them. Lie after lie after lie. And I cried out to God and said, "Oh God, help me." And I'd memorized 2 Corinthians twelve nine, and I quoted it to myself. But He said to me, "My grace is sufficient, for my strength is perfected in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more of my weaknesses, that the power of God may rest." upon me and here's what God whispered to me somebody said was it an audible voice I said no it was louder than that he said if you'll be faithful watch what I do and it seemed like I heard say uh, God say I got this I don't know whether or not God says I got this but that's the message I heard He said, listen, if you'll be faithful, I'll meet every need that you and your family have in the days ahead. I want you to know, friend, God met me in my room. That faithful shepherd came to where I was. I was in the valley of the shadow of death. I could fear no evil. Why? Because my faithful shepherd came alongside me and bolstered me up. Amen? And when you and I are in our deepest need, He comes besides us. He walks beside us, and we fear no evil. The next morning, one of my friends from Lafayette called Dr. Glenn Young and he said, Tim, our church has voted, the elders of our church have voted for you to do the spring revival. I said, Glenn, you don't understand what's happened to me. I told him the story about my health issues. And he said, well, you'll have to take it up with God because we want you to do the revival. I kid you not, for the next five years, I had to turn down more invitations to speak than I could accept when people heard what happened to me and how God came alongside and met my need, they wanted me to speak everywhere. And since that time, being blind, I've been to nine foreign countries and 25 states to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't God good? Not bad for a blind boy from the bayou, amen? Amen. It's not about me, it's about God. About the faithful shepherd who comes alongside to walk with us through the deepest valley. Let me encourage you. If you're going through a rough patch, if you're in a difficult place, rely on the great shepherd who cares for you. If you'll trust Him, He'll come alongside you and meet every need you have according to His riches in glory. Look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. See, the message is clear. Our faithful shepherd provides for us even in the midst of adversity. And He protects us even in spite of the adversity. Tough times and difficult situations. Turn to Him. Trust Him. David closes out this psalm in verse 6. I want you to look at it. And it's like David is declaring this before the Lord. It's almost like God has given him a promise. And he gives every one of us a promise. And here's what he says. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Someone told me sheep need protection from only two things. Themselves and predators. Is it any wonder that the Bible likens the child of God to sheep? We need that protection, don't we? Many times we need protection from ourselves and those predators that would come after us. And try to destroy us or our families. But I want you to know you can rest in the promise of the faithful shepherd. He promises goodness and mercy shall follow his own. And he promises that the sheep of his pasture, you and I who know Jesus Christ, will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that a wonderful promise? See, the promise is not only good in this life, but it's also good in the life to come. That's the God we serve, who promises goodness and mercy following us all the days of our lives. Who promises us not only provision in this life, but provision in the next not only protection in this life when we go through things but also that security that assurance that we have that when we die if we know jesus christ we can spend eternity with him experiencing his grace and goodness and mercy several years ago the great actor richard burton was honored by the school he went to as a boy. They were in the school auditorium and they were talking about Burton and all his accomplishments. And they were singing his praises. At the end of that time, he was touched and he said, listen, is there anything that I could do for you? And out of the back of the room, his old, retired, godly pastor and teacher said, Richard, would you recite Psalm 23 for us? The actor paused for a moment and thought to himself, I can do that. But then he asked this faithful, godly pastor he said I'll do it and recite the psalm only if you come after me and recite it and so Burton began to the the old man agreed and Burton began to share the psalm the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want and listen he did it as only an actor could just with the right inflection of voice the right tone, being dramatic at the times when you needed drama, talking low and talking high and speaking up. And when he finished, there was a burst of applause. In fact, he got a standing ovation. And then he turned to the godly pastor. And he said, Pastor, it's your turn. The pastor got up out of his wheelchair his voice quivering, and he began to recite the psalm. And when he finished, there was not a dry eye in the house. Somebody asked Burton, what was the difference? Burton said, when I spoke, I touch your eyes and ears. But when the godly pastor spoke, when my pastor, boyhood teacher, spoke, He touched your heart. Burton went on to say, you see, I know the psalm, but my pastor, he knows the shepherd. I want to ask you this morning, do you know the shepherd? Has there been a moment in time in your life when you turned from sin and transferred your trust to a living, resurrected Christ? Have you done that? Do you know Him as my Shepherd?